Hey there, Mother Makers. Before we begin, just a reminder that your ratings and reviews of the Mother Maker podcast really do help it get seen by more people. If you like what you've been hearing, take a moment to pause this podcast, subscribe, rate, and review. I always love and appreciate your feedback and help getting the word out. Thanks so much. To be honest, like a lot of that time that she is napping, I'm really exhausted and all I want to do is nap myself. Um, But a lot of times I just have to take that time and, you know, crank out an email or try to like paint or draw or do something. Hello and welcome to Mother Maker, a podcast featuring conversations with artists who are also mothers. This is episode five, and today I'll be sharing my conversation with surface pattern designer and owner of Christine Joy Designs, Christine Llewellyn O'Heming. My name is Emma Coy, and I'm a musician and performance artist in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, where I live with my husband Jason, our three-year-old son Henry, and a baby on the way due this August. If you like what you've been hearing on the podcast, I'd be so grateful if you'd subscribe, rate, and review, and even better, tell a friend. Today, I'm sharing my conversation with Christine Llewellyn O'Heming, surface pattern designer and owner at Christine Joy Designs, a company she founded right as she and her husband were starting their family. Christine Llewellyn O'Heming has been a featured artist for companies like Minted, West Elm, and Crate and Barrel. She lives in South Orange, New Jersey with her husband Kwame and their three kids, Tina, age six, Gabriel, age five, and baby Louisa, who is nine months old. With a baby at home, Christine has already taken great care to establish her business, which has allowed her to take a bit of a step back and decide what direction to go in next. She's working from home while her two older kids are in school, and she's strategic about coming up with her next move. This is a skill she learned from her mother, who worked for the United Nations and was often gone for weeks at a time traveling to countries in Asia and Africa while Christine was growing up. While it was tough to have her mother gone so often, the things she brought back from her travels influenced the patterns Christine creates in her work today, and her mother's drive affects the way that she parents her children. After talking with so many women artists like Christine and taking their advice to heart, I'm realizing just how important this idea of taking a step back and strategizing is when preparing for a big transition. I've got a baby on the way, and one thing that Jason and I have been talking about is taking an extended maternity leave, possibly even six months, to reevaluate the things that are important to me in my career as a musician. In the U.S., as a freelancer, there's no such thing as paid maternity leave, so we will be taking a hit to do this, but in the long term, I really feel like this is a necessary step in adding to our family. And I've learned about myself that I need this time to transition, and babies are a big transition. If you've got feedback about this episode or the podcast in general, there are lots of ways to get in touch with me and the Mothermaker team. You can send me an email at emma at mothermaker.co. We're also on Facebook at Mothermaker Co. and Instagram at Mothermaker. Also, be sure to sign up for our newsletter by going to mothermaker.co and clicking newsletter in the upper right-hand corner. Every Wednesday in the Mothermaker Artist Raising Humans Facebook group, we have what's called Work in Progress Wednesdays, where group members share what they've been working on in their studios and at home. So this week... 
Uh, one of our members, Megan, posted that she's working on the first draft of her book. Mindy just finished up a body of work for an exhibition in June. And Natalie is planning for a high school voice class that she's teaching this weekend. Also, it wouldn't be April without lots of talk about taxes. So just keep up the good fight, mamas. And if you are looking for a community of other mothers making work each week, head over to Facebook and look for Mother Maker Artists Raising Humans. We'd love to have you join the group. So now here's my conversation with Christine Llewellyn Oheming. So what projects are you working on right now? So my baby is nine months old now, which is kind of crazy to think how fast that time has flown by. Um, what I'm doing is sort of taking a step back um, and kind of deciding what direction my company should go in, in terms of how should I divvy up the time between the different things that I do. I'm an artist, um, but I also do surface pattern design. And the way that you sort of go about selling both of those things is very different. Um, so I'm at a point where I'm trying to figure out how much, I guess, time I want to put into uh, both of those. Um, and I think that just having my baby and sort of being forced to kind of take some time for myself sort of away from my art has allowed me to really, you know, think about what I want to do. Yeah, completely. It's sometimes a curse to have so many different interests. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and to exactly. know where to put your energy at any one time. And then you throw children into the mix and it kind of makes you reevaluate your priorities, right? Exactly. Absolutely. Um, one thing that I am excited about that I decided I would do again is a trade show um, that's focused specifically on the apparel market. Um, so basically this trade show would allow me to get my patterns on apparel, which is something that I've done in the past. And that is always so exciting for me to see. Um, like I've had my patterns on different like home goods products and on like art pieces, which has been exciting. Um, but there's something about apparel and having somebody walk around with a pattern that you've created that excites me a lot. Um, between now and then, it's really going to be cranking out as much work as possible in preparation for this show. And this show has been awesome um, for me in terms of just connecting me with some of the companies that I've been working with and um, some of the clients that have sort of come back regularly. So I want to, you know, make sure to do a good job at this trade show in July. How did you get your interest in pattern design in the first place? I ended up after college doing consulting. So I was doing financial consulting at PricewaterhouseCoopers and you know, love the people that I met there, but just knew it wasn't the right fit for me. I do feel like I, I am both sort of right and left brain, but I, I felt like my pull towards the creative side is definitely stronger. Um, so I'm, you know, going along sort of my first job out of college. And I remember thinking like, okay, well, I know consulting, especially financial consulting is not what I want to do. What would sort of allow me to sort of, you know, be more creative, but still stay in the sort of under the business umbrella? And I had a lot of people say, well, why don't you consider marketing? Marketing, you know, you like create promotions and sometimes you work with creative. So that sort of, you know, that might excite you a little bit more. So I ended up getting my MBA. I sort of focused in marketing. I graduated and started working at American Express. 
And looking back, it's so funny to see how things that seem sort of random at the time actually make perfect sense when you look back on sort of, you know, where you are now and how you got there. So I was put on a project at American Express where I was sort of do, being sort of like a project manager for this initiative that was converting the official card of Universal Studios from Visa to Amex. So I was sort of tasked with working with creatives to come up with signage, to come up with like three-dimensional objects that could be in the stores at Universal Studios that would encourage customers to pull out their Amex as opposed to their MasterCard or their Visa. So what was exciting about that project, especially now that I look back at it, was I had to basically hire a graphic designer to come up with like posters and, you know, signage. And I also had to work with an industrial designer to come up with this three-dimensional object that would be attached to the registers at Universal Studios. And it just struck me at every meeting, essentially, that I was in, that I was just so much more interested and excited by what they were working on and less so about what I was working on, which was really like, to me, sort of like a light bulb moment where I was like, okay, this feels wrong. Like I should definitely at least explore a creative field, or I should take like classes after work or do something just to see if this is what I want to do. So I ended up doing that. Um, I actually credit my being in a creative field right now to um, this amazing designer called Stephen Rank, and he has his own um, his own graphic design firm. And I worked with him on that Amex project. And he was the one when I was like, oh my God, your stuff is so cool. He's like, if you're interested in this, like I'll show you some of the work that I've done. Like I'll stay behind after one of the meetings and show you my work. And if this is something you're interested in, I totally encourage you to pursue it. Like you're young, there's nothing that is really stopping you. So I think actually from that moment on, I was pretty much determined to leave Amex eventually and get on a more creative path. So I ended up leaving Amex. I went back to school. I did my master's of industrial design at Pratt Institute in Brooklyn and pursued that. Uh, fast forward. So I was like about to graduate the program. I got married, also had my first baby. And that too, like, you know, just how we were discussing how children sort of make you reevaluate. Having my first daughter, who is now six, forced me to really reevaluate what I wanted to do with this like newly minted degree, you know, so I now had this industrial design degree, what am I going to do with it? Um, for a while, I thought that I would do uh, creative consulting, but then the more I spoke to people who were actually doing um, this creative consulting, I realized that at the end of the day, it's basically you're a consultant and you're working long hours and you're really beholden to the client. And especially after having my baby and knowing that I really value, you know, my time and the time that I get to spend at home and with her, um, it made me think like, okay, I'm going to, you know, sort of not focus on doing any sort of consulting and I'm going to do what I really want to do, but maybe am too afraid to do. And that was basically branching out on my own and creating my own, um, sort of my own brand. And I remember thinking like, okay, well, I have this degree in industrial design and industrial design is basically product design. The sort of downside of doing product design, especially in a place like Brooklyn, or if you have a smaller apartment is a lot of things have to be mocked up full scale. Um, and so for example, I was interested in furniture design, but like 
to really get into that, you need like a studio space where you could mock things up full scale and it didn't have that. But creativity and all these different um, fields, I feel like overlap a lot. And I was doing a random search online. I don't remember what it was, but I was pregnant at the time or about to have my baby. I don't remember. Um, but I came across this course called The Art and Business of Surface Design. And I remember being so intrigued because I'd never heard of surface design, even though I had just graduated from this program where I was surrounded by many artists and designers. I'd never heard of surface design. So I did a little digging and I found out that it is basically creating prints and patterns that get applied to product. So it was sort of like, an amazing kind of epiphany, like, oh my God, there's this thing that exists that ties together my love of both like two-dimensional, just like graphic design um, and product design and three-dimensional surfaces and forms. And wow, I could actually do the flat pattern um, and have it get applied to this three-dimensional surface. So at that point I was like, okay, this sounds perfect. <laughs> you know, like, let me dig into this a little deeper. And I did. And I, I took the course, actually. And I just felt so right to me. It felt like the perfect marriage of my interests. And that's sort of where it started. So that was in 2012 is where I discovered um, surface pattern design. And in 2014 is when I actually decided to go ahead and launch. And like how I launched was I exhibited at this one trade show called Surtex that takes place every year at the Jacob Javits Center. And I launched there and it's been, you know, sort of going ever since. Um, yeah, that's sort of the story as to how I, I got into surface design. When you became pregnant and were had your baby at home, how long were you home and were you doing any work at that time or did you take time off? Yeah, I took time off. So I had graduated from my program in 2011 um, from Pratt and had my baby in 2012. And then I basically took time off sort of strategizing and kind of figuring out what exactly I wanted to do and how I'm going to launch and creating a lot of work and taking that course that I mentioned. So then in 2014, I was able to launch at this trade show. So yeah, so I wasn't sort of doing another sort of unrelated job. Um, thankfully, I was in a position where my husband, who's been so amazing and supportive, was like, take the time off, figure out what you want to do. And yeah, and do it. Yeah. <laughs> so that's sort of what I've been doing. Was it clear for you right away? Like, I'm going to take this time and figure out what I want to do. Or was it a transition? Or was it kind of tough to be home after working so much? It was really tough. It really was tough because um, I definitely wrestled for a while with, do I do something in the meantime? Like, I think I the, the whole launching my own thing or doing my own thing was pretty clear from the get-go. But what I do think I struggled with is, do I just do that or do I do that in conjunction with going back to marketing, you know, and doing that maybe even part-time while I figure out this other thing. Um, but then to me, it just sort of financially even didn't make too much sense just because, okay, let's say I did decide to go back to work. Um, we would have needed childcare and childcare, especially in New York city is not cheap, you know? So it's like whatever I would have been making part-time doing whatever, it just, 
to me didn't um, didn't really make financial sense for me to go back to work part time when we would need sort of a sitter. But I definitely, especially having come from you know, years of working at these um, large companies, American Express and PricewaterhouseCoopers, um, and knowing so many friends who have done sort of what I did in that they had babies, but had to go back after four months. Um, it was hard to make that decision. Uh, but I also felt like, well, this the more I can, the more time I can dedicate to focusing on creating my own thing and figuring out what is Christine Joy Design going to be and what is it going to look like and what is a website going to look like and, you know, just that whole process of just creating that brand. It, it really sort of, to me, made the most sense to focus 100% on that and have it be a strong entry, you know, then dabbling in other things and then launching under not the best, I guess, circumstances or feeling like, oh, I could have done a better job had I focused all my energy on on this one thing. Totally. And when you finally did launch, how did you sort of fit it into what you were already doing, staying home with your kids? Yeah, no, it was actually really tough. And I, I don't think I understood how tough it would be. Um, so basically, my kids right now are six and five, and they're 17 months apart. So when I launched in May of 2014, I had my daughter, who was, I guess, like two at the time, and then my son, who was just like four months old. Um, and it was really, really hard. So I was breastfeeding him. So I was nursing. Um, I also, you know, was at this trade show needing to like sneak away to there, a little room in the back where I could pump. So it was just really, really tough, like, you know, specifically at the trade show itself, but just with the follow up and the way it works, especially with surface pattern design is you, you do these trade shows, you get in front of these companies. There are no real transactions necessarily that happen on the spot. Sometimes there are, but usually, especially if you're a new face, um, they more just want to kind of see your style to see if they might want to partner with you. But what they'll do is they'll take your business card, you get in touch or they get in touch, and then you find a time to come to their office where you bring all your prints and patterns and, you know, show it to them and then they may buy a few. So just that whole process was really tough. So it's like, not only was the trade show tough, but the after was tough in that just finding time. I feel like that's one thing that you don't realize that you almost forget, even with this third baby that I have, I forgot just how hard it is to find a chunk of time where you could focus, you know? Yeah, absolutely. It feels like a luxury when you get more than an hour at oh, a yeah. time. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. So a lot of what, what you need to do after the trade show is follow up, go to these meetings. So they're, you know, they're happening in person. So you need to find a sitter. You need to, you know, there's just a lot that, um, that goes into the sort of after the trade show. And it was, it was hard, especially having two at the time. And I feel like it's almost easier. A lot of people told me almost easier to go from two to three than from one to two. Um, and I definitely found that to be the case, especially um, having them be so close in age. So it's sort of like I had two babies at home. It was just a, a juggling act. Thank goodness um, we had an amazing sitter at the time who came like on Tuesdays and Thursdays. So for me, those were like my work days where I focused, even though I could hear them in the other room, at least she would keep them away from the door. So 
I could at least try to focus as much as possible. Um, so that was really helpful. But looking back on it, it was a very challenging time of just trying to, you know, really have a strong launch, which I think I did, um, but trying to keep up the momentum in terms of all of this sort of back and forth that happens after the trade show ends. Yeah, I'm thinking a lot right now in my work about how to do those transitions about, um, you know, I'm the same way. I've got childcare on Tuesdays and Fridays. You know what I mean? So then on Tuesdays, I've got to like jump into being ready to work. Mm -hmm. And then Wednesdays, I have to transition back to being a mom and and how and it's like how do I shift my brain so quickly? Do you know what I mean? Exactly. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. No, definitely. That's a challenge. But I understand. Like, how crucial was that for you to have those two days to just buckle down and get work done? Mm-hmm. So crucial. So crucial. And and in fact, I've been thinking so much recently, especially now that my daughter is nine months old. Um, and especially now that I've made the decision to do another trade show in July, like, okay, I, I sort of need those two days, at least, you know, a week to just focus and be a hundred percent, you know, just focused on my work and preparing for this show. And what's a little complicated is now we, we recently moved about a year ago, but we still don't have a sitter, you know, so the whole, aspect of just finding someone or figuring out a daycare that's like flexible enough where you could just ask for two days a week. Mm -hmm. So far, I haven't been able to find that or finding someone like a nanny. It's just a lot that needs to happen, I think, pretty quickly to to figure out how can I get these, get the amount of time that I need to, you know, to sufficiently prepare for this upcoming show. So what does life kind of look like for you on a daily basis right now as far as are your older ones in school? Yeah, yeah, they are. So that's that's kind of nice. So they're both in school right now. My daughter's in first grade, so she has a regular day and also does aftercare, which is nice. I don't have to rush to pick her up at 2.30. Um, so that's been a godsend because I, yeah, I don't think I, <laughs> I could get much done without it. Um, and then my son also is in a pre-K program um, that has, you know, the typical hours as well. So luckily they're, you know, they're at school for a good portion of the day. So it's just me and the baby that are home. And luckily, you know, she's nine months old, so she is taking naps, but it feels like every, I don't know, maybe every week or so she like switches up the timing. (laughs) Yeah. To keep things interesting. So (laughs) yeah. So that's been a little tricky. Um, so I could never really, really plan too far in advance. Um, Cause her one to two thirty nap might be the three to four thirty. you know, I just don't know. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so that's basically what my days look like, you know, get the kids ready. Like we all get out the door by, you know, around seven 45, get my daughter to school for eight, drop my son off right after that, and then come back home. And so it's just tough. Now my daughter's at an age where she, you know, obviously she like can, she wants attention basically, let's just say, um, So it's a lot of, you know, just like giving her the attention that she needs and playing and um, trying to get her tired enough to actually nap (laughs) in in the next couple of hours Um, and then putting her down and then trying to, to be honest, like a lot of that time that she is napping, I'm really exhausted and all I want to do is nap myself. Um, But a lot of times I just have to take that time and 
you know, crank out an email or try to like paint or draw or do something. Yeah. But, but, you know, an hour and a half is really not enough time. And then there's, and then before you know it, it's like afternoon and it's time to get the kids and it's time to think about dinner and it's, you know, and they're just, there's laundry that always needs to be done and just, you know, the regular housekeeping type thing. So it's a lot. It seems like you, um, you have put a lot in place, like your business is established enough that it's not going to disappear if you have to mm-hmm. <laughs> be a mom yeah. to the new baby for a that's year, right? right? Totally. So totally. That's, that's great. I was reading on your bio that you're influenced a lot by your mom's travels growing up. Can you talk a little bit about that? Sure. Yeah. So my mom uh, worked for the United Nations and she was in the United Nations Development Program, the UNDP. And every, I think it was every like two to three months, she would have to go on a trip that would last about two to three weeks. And she was traveling um, basically only in Asia and Africa and visiting almost every country And it was just really, uh, I guess, tough for us as kids when I think about it. Like when I knew a trip was coming up, I remember in the days leading up to it, just being really sad, just knowing how much I was going to miss her in that time that she was gone. But I would always look forward to her return. One, because, you know, I, I missed her and I wanted to have her back. But also she made sure to bring back just the most awesome things from the countries um, that she visited. Uh, So it was usually stuff for the home. So she would bring back, I remember she brought back this amazing rug from Pakistan um, that she has in her living room up until today. Um, Whenever she went to any African country, she would bring back these beautiful carvings and statues that, again, she has displayed today. So just like whenever she went on these trips, I would always be so excited to see what she would bring back. Um, And even though they weren't always things for me in particular, just seeing what, you know, she had to, to bring and what she would put on display was really, really very exciting. So I found that when I do my drawing and art and specifically my, cause I, I, I do watercolor and I love doing watercolor. Um, but I'm also drawn to very sort of bold and graphic prints. I don't know. I feel like the influence is directly from those types of kind of artifacts that she would bring back from her her travels. So um, I could think specifically of this one sort of, I think it was like a block print that she had brought back for me from one of her trips. And a lot of times when I look at some of the uh, my own designs, I, you know, I think about those things. And I, I definitely am drawn to that. Being in a home surrounded by all these um you know, these textiles and furniture from different countries, I think I had no choice but to sort of be influenced by them just because that's sort of what's ingrained in my in my memory, you know, when I think about home, you know, home items or rugs or tiles or different things like that. Is it something that you that you go into like to create something you think, oh, I remember this piece that my mom had in in our home? Or is it something that's more subliminal? You create the work and then you realize, hey, that looks a lot like. Yeah, that's right. And what's so interesting to me is that it is totally subliminal. I never, ever um, start out thinking like, oh, I, I, I want this piece to be, you know, 
um, influenced by this thing. Like it always just comes out of me. And then after the fact, I'm like, oh, this kind of would fit in perfectly with, you know, and it's not like it necessarily looks exactly the same or anything like that, but just the feel of it. Um, it just, to me, feels very much sort of in line with some of these things that I've definitely seen in her house <laughs> or I grew up with. Um, so yeah, it's, it's definitely a subliminal thing, but it's, it's what I guess brings me most joy in terms of when I create the things that I, I think I'm proudest of, or I like the most are those that sort of have that sort of feel. What, what sounds interesting to me is it sounds like that was really tough for you as a kid, having your mom gone so often, but that at the same time, you're honoring that absence through your art now and through your career. How does what your mom did for a career influence the way that you parent? Huh, that's a great question. So my parents were divorced, I think got divorced when I was two. So I really don't have any memory living with my dad, even though he was sort of definitely in the picture. So she was like the breadwinner. She was um, just sort of very much about her career. My grandma, so her mom was the one who really raised us day to day, got us ready for school, that type of thing. It was more like the nurturer, I should say. So what's interesting when I think about my mom is she was very, in my mind, at least as a kid, is that she was very career focused and was to me always when I think about her or just even overhearing her talk about her career to other people, she was always sort of thinking about the next step and not so much um, lingering, you know, in what was like her current situation. So let's say she just got a promotion, you know, she would be happy about it. But I feel like not too long after that, she would be sort of strategizing it. So, okay, well, how do I get to the next level? What do I need to do? Where do I need to be stationed? You know, so always sort of thinking about what's the next step for me. And I find that I just love that about her because I feel like that to me, showed me as a child that don't ever get too complacent, you know, like always sort of be thinking about what what's next on the on the radar for you or how can you get to that next level? I think maybe even to a fault, because <laughs> I find sometimes in my own career, I like don't celebrate enough and I am more like focused on, OK, well, what can I achieve next? But I do think the the great thing about having that mindset is it just, you know, it shows your determination um, and your drive. And I think that or I hope that <laughs> my kids are seeing that same drive um, just in, you know, these are wildly different career paths, but just in my planning for trade shows and thinking about, okay, well, what am I going to do next? And, you know, what company can I partner with next? Or who's on my dream list? And how can I make that happen? I, I hope they see that same type of sort of strategizing and sort of, you know, yearning to get to the next level. And yeah, so I, I definitely think that seeing her strive to sort of get to where she ultimately wanted to be has really affected me. And it, it allows me to do the same and show my kids the same. Speaking of that, how did you get your work noticed by companies like West Elm and Crate and Barrel? And how, what was that process like? Yeah. So I credit both of those um, partnerships actually with my trade shows that I did, especially the ones that I did when I first launched. 
So the way that worked was I was approached at the trade show by a company called Minted. So um, some company representatives from Minted came up to my booth. I guess they really liked the work that I had on display and said like, hey, you know, I think you're... Um, aesthetic would really be great for our customers. Um, they explained how minted works. So basically it's like crowdsourcing. They crowdsource what they're going to sell. So their customers vote on the best designs that have been uh, submitted by artists around the world. And the top designs are the ones that get sold. So anyway, so they're like, well, we love your style. Why don't you submit to have some of your work sold on Minted? So I did. I did this one competition and I ended up getting like an editor's pick, which basically means like it wasn't picked by the voting necessarily, but the editors of Minted really liked it. So even though by votes you wouldn't have gotten in, they liked it enough that they're going to put you in anyway. Um, so for me, it was like my first sort of competition and it was really exciting to get this editor's pick. And then I think shortly after that, I saw that Minted was having a competition with West Elm. So both Minted and West Elm sort of pride themselves in um, basically promoting local artists um, and independent artists, I should say. So promoting independent artists. So it makes sense that they would get together for a competition. So I remember being like, missing the deadline for that and being like, oh man, I missed the deadline. I'm not going to submit anything, but next year I'm going to keep an eye out. And when this competition comes up, I'm going to submit some stuff. So fast forward a year, they announced that their like third annual competition is coming up. I remember, literally, I remember going to the art store, like maybe that next day and being like, okay, I know I want to submit some stuff. I don't know what, I don't know what medium, but I love the look of watercolor. I'm going to buy some watercolor paint. I didn't have any at the time, but I, I went to Blick and I bought watercolor paint and I literally just painted. I came home and I painted and I submit 15, I, I think I submitted 15, if I'm not mistaken, um, paintings for this competition and they chose eight of them, which was like amazing just because they've never selected that many winning pieces by any one artist ever. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that was like amazing one to think that I really had not ever used watercolor. That was not a medium, the medium that I was like, that I was familiar with at all. So to think that I was just sort of, I guess, playing around in a sense and creating this stuff that they really loved was amazing to me. And I think, so one, it was just very cool, just in and of itself. But then also I feel like it was the first thing to me that made me so sure that like, okay, I'm on the right path. Like this is not just something that I think I like and I'm not sure that I'm good at, but clearly it's something that I love doing. I find it so just meditative and just, I love it but this is something that I'm also good at and people recognize that and they agree, you know, so it was um, very affirming. And so that's how that happened with West Elm. So they ended up selling those prints in store and online. Um, but then they also contacted me about doing this like marketing video. And I, they didn't say why they picked me, but I'm guessing it's because I had eight that were chosen and that was awesome. <laughs> so they like came to, to my Brooklyn apartment, um, video, you know, did this video for like over two days. It was like a 20 second video, but it was really cool. They really wanted to get a sense of who I was as an artist, as a person, what my process was, sort of home life. 
Um, so that was just amazing. So I did that. Um, and then Crate and Barrel sort of came out of that in that I reached out to um, someone at Crate and Barrel who randomly had added me on LinkedIn. And I was like, I, you know, love your company. You're, you know, on my, one of my dream companies to work with. I recently did this stuff with West Elm and Minted. Would you be interested in partnering? And funny enough, it's just sort of an amazing story. Um, this woman was like, you know, I'm actually retiring next week. <laughs> she, she's like an older woman who worked at Crate and Barrel at their headquarters, um, and she's like, I'm actually retiring next week, but I do know the art buyer um, and she's a really good friend of mine. So I'll put you in touch with her. So she ended up putting me in touch with this art buyer who was like, oh my gosh, I love your stuff. We would absolutely love to launch a collection of your watercolors. So again, it was kind of funny that like they decided they wanted me to do watercolors because of this West Elm watercolor competition, you know? when watercolor, you know, was just something I was kind of playing around with. And I do love working with watercolor, but it was just interesting how that kind of evolved from that one day of being like, oh, I want to play around and, you know, experiment. Yeah. Um, so that's how that happened with Crate and Barrel. And I just think in general, when it comes to both like press and actual like getting work, it's amazing how much one thing builds on the other or how somebody will sort of discover you from seeing you on you know, one bit of press. I don't know for sure that I would have gotten this deal with Crate and Barrel had I not had my stuff with West Elm, you know? So, so yeah, so it's just like, it makes sense. And I always tell artists who are, you know, asking for advice that you really need to leverage um, the wins that you do get, no matter how small they seem. Um, someone will look at that as like, uh, you know, a big deal. And so definitely don't downplay it and keep on building on that. And, you know, until you get to some of the companies that are, say, your dream clients, keep building on the smaller wins that you get and, and definitely don't minimize them. Yeah, every little bit counts, right? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Um, how does or does motherhood inform your artistic choices at all? You know, I think motherhood definitely informs my artistic choices in that I find that after having kids, I'm a lot more flexible in terms of like rules or like, not that there are really rules in art, but sort of like, especially after going to, to art school, um, there are certain sort of like things like, you know, color theory and, and just different things that I feel like sometimes can be a little, um, what's the word, uh, restricting in a sense when you're focused too much on like those types of theories or just things that should and shouldn't be. And I think just seeing how creative my kids are and that they just don't care and will do anything and are just so um, uninhibited. I think that their being the way they are has sort of helped me as an artist to also be less um, structured in a sense and just willing to take risks and willing to just kind of play, you know, and invoke some like joy and just, yeah, just like play and freedom into my practice and not being overwhelming myself with the rules or with the trends or with, you know, anything like that, but just sort of having fun with whatever I'm doing and trying to, to, you know, have as much fun as possible. What advice do you have for other mother makers? I would say don't be afraid to sort of, I don't know, to just take it slow. And to, to not 
feel too rushed and too intimidated by what you see on social media. We as mothers and artists, I feel like we're in such a fragile place, like already just having given birth, your hormones are all over the place. And I feel like you're sensitive, you know, it's a very sort of precious time. And I would just encourage everyone to sort of be gentle with themselves and to sort of limit, like, yes, get on, you know, get on social media and get inspired, but don't sort of dwell there. And certainly it's easier said than done, but don't like compare yourself to other people who you don't know what their situation is. They may have like round the clock help, you know, they may have, you know, you just don't know. So I just feel like, and I am also saying that as a reminder to myself, I feel like sometimes it's hard to like log in and see like all the stuff that people are creating and, you know, just feeling like, oh my God, I need to like post or I need to do this or I need to do that. And I just feel like we're in such a unique position as artists and as mothers. And I think that we need to just be easy on ourselves. And if we don't get a post out in two weeks, cause we can't, oh, well, you know, I don't know. I just, um, I just feel like, you know, we're, we're keeping someone alive. And I think that <laughs> to me, that's like pretty, pretty important. And that should definitely take precedence. So yeah, I would just say be easy on yourself. Don't compare um, and limit maybe social media, uh, especially if you are prone to sort of comparing yourself to others. So I think, yeah, that that's what I would advise. Thank you so much for doing this. You're welcome. I really enjoyed talking to you. So that's it for this episode of the Mother Maker Podcast. We do publish all of our interviews in text form as well. So to read Christine's interview or send it to a friend, visit mothermaker.co slash interviews slash Christine dash Llewellyn dash Oheming. That's Christine dash L-L-E-W-E-L-L-Y-N dash O-H-E-M-E-N-G. You'll also find photographs of Christine's work, her family, and links to her website, christinejoydesign.com, and all of her social media accounts. While you're there, don't forget to sign up for our newsletter or send me an email with your feedback. You can always connect with me on Instagram and Facebook as well. This podcast is produced and edited by me, Emma Coy. Our web designer and developer is my husband, Jason Coy, and our text editor is my dear friend, Alyssa Zimmerman-Exley, a new mom herself. Our music is by David Hillowitz, and our brilliant safety pin letter M logo was designed by my friend, Matthew Fleming. Until next time, keep making work, mother makers. Thanks for listening. Out came the sun and I tried to run away. And the yes, yes, and I'm going up to the bow again. Woo! Bravo! Take a bow. Bravo.